0: Before you listen to this podcast, you can subscribe to The Critic magazine with the current offer of three issues for just £5. Head to our website, www.thecritic.co.uk, to subscribe today. Hello and welcome to The Critic's podcast. In this podcast, Kapil Komaredi assesses the messages from his interview with Armenia's president, Armin Sarkisian, and explains to The Critic's political editor, Graham Stewart, what is at stake.
1: Kapol on the 27th of September, Azerbaijan started shelling Armenian-backed positions in Nagorno-Karabakh. Is the fighting still going on, or has the ceasefire held?
0: Well, on the 10th of October, Saturday, Russia brokered a truce, a temporary ceasefire, between the two sides in order to enable them to collect the dead bodies. The battlefields are strewn with bodies of both sides, and the International Red Cross was supposed to go identify them and help exchange them. But the truce held only for minutes. It was violated very quickly. And part of the reason why that has happened is because Azerbaijan was making significant gains, and any lull in fighting would have reversed those gains, potentially. So the shelling began once again, and in the intervening time, dozens of people have been killed. We don't have the exact figures for the obvious reason that people cannot be identified. But we know that Stepanakert, which is the capital of Nagorno-Karabakh, looks like a city out of World War Two. It's completely devastated. It's old monuments, some of its old monuments, its buildings are in ruins, and the war very much continues, and the ceasefire The ceasefire hasn't completely collapsed. Uh, There is this notion that the two sides have agreed to a truce, a temporary truce. But in reality, there is is fighting, there is significant fighting ongoing between the two sides.
1: Well, after the collapse of the Soviet Union in the early 1990s, there was obviously very serious violence in Nagorno-Karabakh. Then there's been a a, a ceasefire, a stalemate negotiations. Why has uh, Azerbaijan uh, attacked now?
0: The timing of it couldn't have been more perfect for Azerbaijan, because Armenia's position... Armenia is a status quo power. To go back to the history of this, In the 80s, the Armenians of Nagorno-Karabakh wanted the region reunited with Armenia, and they led many protest marches. In 91, there was a referendum in which they voted overwhelmingly to secede from Azerbaijan. And from 1992 to 1994, there was a very, as you put it, a very horrific, gruesome war. And since 94, when Armenia seized the land, it rested the land from Azerbaijan, and some adjacent lands, there has been, Armenia has sought to preserve the status quo. Uh, it hasn't recognized uh, Nagorno-Karabakh as, the as a breakaway republic, but it has identified itself as the protector, as the guarantor of the security of Nagorno-Karabakh. And since then, there have been skirmishes, there have been wars, most recently in 2016, and there have been hundreds of thousands of people who've been displaced from that region. Tens of thousands have died. There's been great bloodshed, we don't see it in the news. It's not a very prominent item uh, f- where we sit. But this has been a very violent region in the Caucasus, the longest running conflict there. Now, the, the, the flare-up, part of the reason for the flare-up is the timing itself. If you look around the world, every country is preoccupied with the coronavirus pandemic. Economies across the world are devastated. The United States is completely absorbed with its own presidential election. Uh, and this seemed this if if you if you were Azerbaijan, this seemed like the right this looks like the right time for a quick war for for you know a, a rapid assault to take the region back. And Armenians were caught. Armenians were very surprised. Uh, although tensions have been building up in the region, nobody expected it to escalate to culminate in war of the kind we're seeing. And as you can see, much of the world really is distracted by other issues to pay attention to this. And that's part of the reason why this continues. And that's part of the reason why they want, why they chose this time.
1: Azerbaijan regards Nagorno-Karabakh as legally uh, part of Azerbaijan. The, most of the world community regards Nagorno-Karabakh as legally part of Azerbaijan. But historically and by heritage, it is uh, uh, Armenian, it feels overwhelmingly armenian It, it, it voted uh, to not be part of azerbaijan uh, as you say in the early 1990s uh, there, there is a There is a, a problem here which goes beyond the fact that the rest of the world is distracted and it is distracted it, is that uh, the rest of the world doesn 't want to get involved but but two countries are involved russia as a as a supposed honest broker and, and Turkey as a supporter of Azerbaijan's claims in this. Uh, you've been uh, talking in a long and, and very, very significant interview with Armenia's president, Armen uh, Sarkissian, for the critic. Uh, he was very clear that, that Turkey is playing not only an aggressive but an expansive role in the region. He reflected back on the uh, uh, genocide of Armenians by the Ottoman Empire, by Turkey in, in the First World War, and, and he spoke of this as potentially a, a second genocide. Uh, w- what is your uh, reading of Turkey's role in, in the current conflict?
0: You began the question by alluding to the history of this region. Uh, This is a place replete with the relics of Armenian heritage. Uh, They they trace their history to this region. Um, And even before the advent of the Soviet Union, there was a conflict between Azerbaijan and Armenia over this region. And once the Soviet Union came into existence and absorbed these two sides, uh, the Soviets were going, it seemed, to give possession of this land to the Armenians, but precisely to keep the dispute alive, they awarded it, they defied history and heritage, uh, demography, and gave this region to the Azerbaijanis. And since then, uh, as I answered in your previous question, there has been a conflict, and this, this intensified in the late 80s and early 90s, and it's been going on since then. Now, this conflict is between the Azerbaijanis and the Armenians, both of them former Soviet states. Russia has a security treaty with Armenia. Russia maintains a a base in Armenia, 102nd base, Um, but it it also maintains decent relations with Azerbaijan. It also sells arms to Azerbaijan. Turkey's role in this, uh, President Sarkisian in the interview with a critic with me, he said that. Turkey is the key negative factor in this. He said, if you remove Turkey from this equation, the war will end in two days. And the reason I think he said that is because Turkey has not played the role of a mediator. It has not sought to forge peace between the two sides. It has sought to to depict this conflict as an ethnic conflict, in which it is the protector, the custodian, the guardian of the Azeri people. It describes the relationship between the two as two states, one nation. And what it it sees Nagorno-Karabakh, it sees Nagorno-Karabakh as uh, a symbol of great injustice against its ethnic brothers, and it wants to reverse that injustice. And Turkey wants very much for this war to reach its climax, which is for Armenia to be pushed out of it and for Azerbaijan to assert its ownership of it. Obviously, as President Sarkissian put it, if Turkey wants to become involved because its quote-unquote ethnic brothers are involved, what about the Armenians? For Armenians, these are fellow Armenians. And he said there are tens of thousands of Armenians. There are 8 million people in the Armenian diaspora. And all of them are animated by the memory of the genocide at the hands of the Turkish, uh, at, 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 at the hands of the Ottoman Empire. Uh, that is their defining historical experience. And when they see Turkey once again becoming involved, once again being the aggressor against Armenia, they want to fly back to Armenia and join this war. What happens when tens of thousands of freelancers come into a battlefield and pick up arms? Things can go really out of control. And the president, I, I got the sense, really wanted to put a lid on that to stop this from escalating into an ethno-religious conflict, which is what Turkey it appears once. And he's trying to, he would like a pe- he would like end of war. He would like people to come back to the negotiating table and talk it through because this could turn into something that it's already a bloody war, but the dimensions of it right now, they're, they're fighting over a piece of territory. But once this becomes this curdles into an ethno religious rivalry that will just consume the region.
1: Well, one aspect in which it could consume an even wider region is, of course, the role of Russia. Uh, it does see itself as an honest broker, both with uh, Azerbaijan and Armenia, but it has said that if Azerbaijan attacks Armenia, uh, as distinct from the Karabakh, Armenia, it will defend Armenia. Now, we'll see whether or not that, that, that's a, a, a real or, or empty promise, but That is a major commitment, given Turkey, which is a a member of NATO, is involved in the region. How do you see this escalating?
0: Right. So Turkey, uh, so Russia and Armenia have a security treaty arrangement. Uh, If right now the war, in theory at least, is between Azerbaijan and the government of Nagorno-Karabakh, who's the guarantor of the security of Nagorno-Karabakh is Armenia, the Republic of Armenia. The Republic of Armenia, of course, faces a threat, but if it is directly attacked, if the war, if, if, the, if, the, if the attack takes place against the Republic of Armenia, then Russia, according to President Sarkisian, who disclosed this to us in the interview, was that if Russia has promised Armenia that it will become militarily involved. It will honor its treaty obligations. So if this were to escalate, if the war were to come to, say, Yerevan, uh, Yerevan already claims that it has shot down drones, Turkish drones that were flying in the direction of the capital, uh, that were sailing over the capital. But if if the republic were to become embroiled in this, then Russia, Russia will be asked to activate its treaty promises. What that would mean is that Turkey is very much involved in this conflict. It's on the front lines of the conflict. Its military personnel and its material are in this conflict. If Russia were to become militarily involved, right now it's not. If it were to, then, as you put it, this could become a conflict between a NATO member and Russia. So this, what looks like a fight over a tiny republic, of or tiny breakaway republic of 150,000 people could potentially suck in the great powers of the world, and this could get out of control, and as President Sarkisian put it to me, uh, you've been to Syria, you've seen what happened there, where Turkey is actively involved. Imagine if that were to happen here. Imagine the blowback, imagine the consequences for Europe, imagine the consequences for Central Asia. Uh, this, could, this could, before it gets there, but we, we mustn't be under this illusion that, oh, things won't go so bad. They, they very much could. Uh, wherever Turkey has been involved, things have gone bad, alas. And Turkey has moved its, the mercenaries, the Mujahideen on its payroll, uh, who were fighting in Syria to topple the regime of Bashar al-Assad. They moved them, moved them to the front lines of this conflict. That adds a religious dimension to it. Uh, one of the things uh, the President mentioned was in the city of sushi, sushi, uh, there is an old church, old cathedral that was restored uh, by the locals, and a lot of Armenian expatriates paid towards the restoration of that. but there was also a mosque in you know a few hundred yards from it. That was also in ruins, and it, Armenian expatriates paid for its restoration also, and that kind of became a symbol of pluralism, of interethnic coexistence and toleration. That is what is under threat now. If you have religious mercenaries who fight for money, but also for religion in the name of religion, this becomes, you know, Azerbaijan, it must be noted, has been a very secular state. Um... It has excellent relations with Israel, for instance. The irony, of course, is that Iran, uh, which is a Shia state, quietly backs Armenia in this conflict, which is the world's oldest Christian state. And Israel backs uh, Azerbaijan, backs in the sense that it sells arms to Azerbaijan. So there are many complications and complex complex factors in this conflict, all of which could come to the surface in a very ugly manner if a lid isn't put on them.
1: What kind of lid can Western countries, Britain, the European Union, the United States, put on this?
0: The European Union's ability to mediate seems severely constrained because, you know, it hasn't been able to actually prod the two sides in any meaningful way. Britain, on the other hand, what President Sarkisian, who's been an ambassador to Britain for a number of years, who was prior to becoming president, uh, he was at Cambridge, he worked alongside Stephen Hawking. He said that Britain is now establishing itself as an independent power, a power independent of the European Union, and this seems an appropriate time for Britain to come out and say that, you know, rather than issue bland statements of the kind which it has. It's, it would be appropriate for britain to come out and play a more more of a leadership role and this isn't really taking sides it would merely be to say to both sides to stop the fighting it would also be to say it would also involve britain telling armenia to stop the fighting but also prodding uh, azerbaijan to not push forward because it's making these gains and pull them back to the negotiating table where they might actually try and work out a solution. Because obviously the Armenians are not going to hand over the territory that is that is to them the Jerusalem uh, of the Armenian nation. They're not going to give that back to the Azeris. But they could potentially figure out, through talks, uh, a solution that involves some degree of face-saving for both sides.
1: Did President Sarkissian in his uh, interview with you, give any impression that... Uh... Azerbaijan was interested in pursuing a negotiated settlement, or because the rest of the world is distracted at the moment, or the Western world is distracted at the moment. Uh, in, in fact, uh, Azerbaijan, it doesn't suit them to, to freeze the status quo at the moment. They want to press on ahead.
0: I really got the sense, Graham, that he was trying to say, and he said it quite explicitly, that Azerbaijan would, would settle, would come to the negotiations and talk this through as it has been, actually. But he said, the reason it isn't doing this right now is because Turkey's involvement. Turkey is the propellant. And as long as Turkey is involved so intimately in this conflict, he says no end in sight. And he says, he, he said, I would like, this is his phrase, uh, and I won't quote it accurately, but paraphrasing him, he said, I would like to see much more pressure again, Put on Azerbaijan to negotiate, but I would like a great deal more pressure applied on Turkey to pull out, so that Azerbaijan will negotiate. As long as Turkey is there, Azerbaijan will feel emboldened; it will continue to push forward. And the other factor is that why is Turkey becoming involved in this? Uh, Sarkesian almost sounded sympathetic to Azerbaijan. He saw Azerbaijan itself as a victim, and he said, while Azerbaijan was not in control of this territory, it didn't really suffer. You know, the Azerbaijan's economy is much larger than Armenia's. It has made great strides. 95% of its revenues come from the export of natural gas. Um, It's grown enormously wealthy. It is the Dubai of the Caucasus. Um, It hasn't really suffered uh, by virtue of not being in control of this territory. So why is it doing this now? Is it for national pride? Is it for ethnic pride? All of those things can be satisfied in different ways, not necessarily by waging war. And the reason it is waging war is because it is being prodded to wage war by Turkey. And he feared that once this war is over, Turkey will not vacate this region. Turkey will seek to remain there. It will use it will it will almost come in there as a protector. And it will remain as the guardian. It will say that if we leave, you will be vanquished. So we must make our presence permanent here. And he said they will try to control Azerbaijan's natural resources. So he thought this is a long term threat for Azerbaijan's own sovereignty and independence as long as Turkey remains there. So Turkey, to use his phrase is the key negative factor in this conflict
1: well, you mentioned the the extensive natural resources of Azerbaijan and the the pipelines that go through Azerbaijan Is this a factor in the European Union not taking a lead in that they don't want to upset Azerbaijan and, and therefore hold back from um, from having a, a a hand in restraining Turkey as well
0: i, I... For me to suspect that that is the reason would require me to believe that the European Union looks at the world with great strategic insight and great foresight. I think really what is happening here is a form of bureaucratic inertia. They believe that if things will sort themselves out, we don't really need to become involved. Things will not flare up. They will not escalate to the point that we are threatened. We just need to, you know, there's there's fighting happening out there far from us in the Caucasus. They'll sort it out. It's a small republic. They do. I don't think they think in the terms you've described. They may very well. Some members of the European Union may very well. But overall, I think it's a, sen- it, it's, it's a case of them not really becoming, them not really having a great deal of understanding of the conflict and not wanting to become involved in something that looks like a very dif- distant conflict.
1: Well, Kapol uh your interview with Armin Sarkissian is, is available on the Critic's website, uh, as well as your accompanying uh, article. Uh, we watch this situation with interest and, and concern very much. But for the moment, thank you very much for your insights.
0: Thank you so much. If you've enjoyed listening to The Critic podcast, why not subscribe to have the magazine delivered to your door? Subscribe today with the offer of three issues for just £5 by heading to our website, www thecritic.co.uk